editing thing? I haven't yet. Hey, one of us can. No big yeah. deal. All right. My name is Daniel Marino, and this is Motion Martial Arts' first podcast. So I'm here with my friend Dave Grossman, who I actually take jujitsu lessons with. And, you know, today we're just going to have a conversation about specialization in martial arts and kind of the positives and negatives of specialization. I guess negative specifically maybe about over-specialization. But Dave, maybe if you want to introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, so my name is David Grossman. Uh, do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That's my uh, primary martial art. And uh, yeah, this is probably the first of many podcasts that we're going to do, uh, covering a range of topics of martial arts and kind of some things even dealing with like you know functional movement and health things overall. And, um, I think it's going to be a little bit of an interesting perspective because we come from two different styles of martial arts. Um, so yeah, talking about specialization, which is really what we're going to focus on today, um, is if you look at anybody who's done any martial art at any level of success, and that's including MMA, or we're talking about kickboxing, taekwondo, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, you see that the highest level guys usually are specialists in some, some yeah. way. They got something that they do better than everybody else. So I like the example often, Conor McGregor just comes to mind that, you know, he's a guy that, like any, any you know, top MMA fighter nowadays, you know, it's like he can do, you know, he can grapple, he can kick, you know, all this stuff, but well, his main weapon is his boxing, yeah. specifically that left hook. Uh, it's like, that's what, you know, he's good with, that's what he ends a lot of his fights with, and that's, you know... That's the perfect example of specialization. But I would say the good kind of specialization, where he's a guy who has a well-rounded skill set, but he has something that he elevates to a higher level, and you know that uh, sets him apart from his competition. I think a good example of bad specialization is something like whole martial arts that tend to gravitate towards a single skill set. You know, what comes to mind is Olympic Taekwondo, where you know you have an entire martial art where. It's kickers trying to outkick other kickers. And, you know, it, and it does elevate the level of kicking. And you see the level of kicking that's found in Olympic Taekwondo is, I mean, from an athletic perspective, is, you know, is, is, is amazing. And it's, it can be cool to watch. But from a martial perspective, you know, it's like you have, they, they've, they've taken, you know, kind of the whole of human combat, which involves all kinds of different, you know, like, like skill sets that are important that you can't really neglect if you want to be an effective fighter for self-defense or for, you know, more well-rounded competitions like MMA, of course, or even kickboxing or something like that. And they decide we're just going to concentrate on <laughs> one thing. And I think that can really be a detriment to practitioners. So uh, one of the cool things I think about what we're doing here is the fact that you're a striker, you know, who dabbles in uh, jujitsu, but yeah. you know, that's your foundation. And my foundation is obviously grappling and, I have done some striking, but not nearly at, at any level that makes me competent at it. So, um, like, you know, I think Connor's a guy that is obvious for you to gravitate to because he's obviously a specialist in striking, but I see lots of specialization from the grappling perspective. So oh, then you yeah. look at guys like Daniel Cormier, Cain uh, Velasquez, Brian Ortega. Khabib, yeah, Khabib. Um, you know, guys that are primarily grapplers, and their grappling is at such a high level that that's what they go back to but if i love using the kane velasquez uh khabib daniel cormier luke rockhold because those guys are all grapplers and they all went to aka the american kickboxing <laughs> academy yeah. and that's where they primarily started to put their striking together but they're primarily grapplers you know so like that's what they fall back on that's what they specialize in they just got good enough 
at striking that now they're competent there. You know, so like it's the perfect example is that even though, so again, I'm not a striker, but Khabib set up the big overhand right to yeah, knock yeah. Connor down with the threat of the takedown. So he changed levels to Absolutely. looking like he was going to shoot in. As Connor changed levels, he throws the big, it's not a pretty punch even, no, right? Yeah. He's just throwing a huge looping overhand right and it connects because he knows that the guys are going to try and sprawl oh, out. When, when, when he's got an opponent who is mainly concerned with not getting taken to the ground and mauled for another round, that makes it a lot easier to get that, <laughs> a lot easier to set that punch up. Uh, and then, so, and again, I obviously, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is my martial art, I love it, but you'll see guys that are maybe super high-level specialists in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that make the transition to MMA and they don't have the success because maybe they didn't focus enough on their takedowns, their striking, and you kind of get spoiled a little bit when you train just against another grappler. So if you're only doing Jiu-Jitsu, you get spoiled with both of you wanting to engage on the ground. So you don't get used to this idea that somebody's going to stand up. Yeah. And then also you, you have a referee there who's like, if you don't make something happen quick enough, we're going to stand you up. Yeah. So you have guys that it's like they're beautiful jujitsu on the ground or beautiful jujitsu when they have the gi on, but they can't translate that to an MMA thing. So, I mean, you see it within every martial art, no matter how effective it is, um, is that, you know, you, you kind of end up at this point where it's like an MMA is, is an interesting thing because, again, it's easy to think of it as the purest representation of fighting and sports, which it is to a certain extent, but it's still a sport. Yeah. So you have rules that, that lead to things that if it was real life, you know, the, the timer's not going to go off if you're knocked down with, you know, two seconds left in the round. You're going to have yep. a minute to regather yourself and go back out there for another round or in yep. boxing, right, with uh, the match that just happened with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Uh, in real life, you get knocked down. You don't have a 10 count. Somebody doesn't stop the fight and goes, you have 10 seconds to get back up, right? Yeah. So. It's, well, I think it's there's sport. an interesting point there, too, that's, that's, like, specialization's fun. And it's not surprising that people gravitate towards, like, well, I guess hyper-specialization would be a good way to put it. In that, you know, like, as somebody, I come from the, the type of karate I practiced for most of my life is Tung Sudo, which is a Korean style. It's re- the way that we kick is very, very similar to Taekwondo. And it's kind of like, you know, when you... This my definitely the skill set that I would say that is strongest for me is my kicking. And it's fun to kind of, like take what you're already good at and make it even better and even better and even better. But and it's part of the reason why I've started taking jujitsu lessons because there's always grappling has always been a part of karate, but nobody would say nowadays that it's something karate is particularly known for that karate practitioners are typically very good at, but it's important to have that well-rounded skill set. I would like for myself, for my students to have a more well-rounded skill set, even if, you know, our specialty probably stays pretty much the same, which is striking with specifically a specialty in kicking. Yeah, well, you see the same thing with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So if you go back to Elio Gracie's master text and schools that train more with that sort of old-school mi- like self-defense mindset, um, and, and it's, it's key that we also break it down, self-defense, but we'll probably save that for another, another day where there's self-defense techniques there's fight techniques, and then there's, at least in jiu-jitsu, there's skills that are very specific for another skilled grappler. So you kind of have three things. So guys that trained in that kind of, like, self-defense fight style of jiu-jitsu, there were strikes in. And now lots of the strikes are getting, you know, lost. And they weren't the most pretty strikes, but it'd be things like stomp the knee or 
you're in the guard, heal somebody in the kidneys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that stuff is, you know, again, it's not being or like uh, an elbow from a one-arm distance where you feel threatened, how to throw like a safe elbow to the face. Uh, there was a chop, I think, that Elio did as well. You know, so those things are getting phased out because the martial arts getting more specialized. But And this is a conversation we've had a bunch. If you look at MMA, how many successful MMA fighters are guys that started just by training in MMA? So they went to an MMA school. And remember, again, MMA is not a style of fighting. It is a sport where you combine mixed martial arts and multiple martial arts. So you won't see a lot of high-level guys that started with that. If you go through the list of all the guys that have had high-level success in MMA, almost every single one of them specialized in a martial art first and then added another martial art. So Lyoto Machida would be an example of a striker who added grappling. Mm -hmm. Daniel Cormier is an example of a grappler who added striking. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, these are guys that did their martial art first at a high level. Anderson Silva, even though he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, he was a striker first. And then he rounded it out. George St. Pierre was a striker first, who then also added a ridiculous high level of wrestling to it. Yeah, to the point that's kind of where he's best at. Yeah. Anymore. That's almost become his specialized skill. But, like, every single guy, you know, and that's just the, the you know, we're just really just you know, touching on a small group of names here. But Conor McGregor was a striker who then went and started learning jujitsu. Khabib Sambo, which is almost like, you know, judo and jujitsu combined with a, a Russian twist on it and Russian wrestling is, is the king in Russia obviously they have so many good wrestlers that come out of there so it has a little bit more of a wrestling flair than some of the other martial arts that came from that lineage but it's just like name after name like that BJ Penn primarily a jiu-jitsu guy and you know we're talking about some older school guys now Matt Sarah, who beat George St. Pierre for the world championship he was a jiu-jitsu guy um, and you just see that over and over again you know, a guy that comes to mind for me was a uh, big country, Roy Nelson. Yeah, he was a guy who was a grappler. Yeah, jiu-jitsu like, guy, too. And every and every fight I've ever seen with him just knocking people out. Brock Lesnar, the, the, wrestler. John Jones, wrestler. Um, again, I'm obviously, like, from my perspective, I'm going to know the grapplers a little bit more because those are the guys I gravitate towards. But um, I believe Donald Cerrone was – so he's a jiu-jitsu black belt and really good grappling, but I think his primary base was Muay Thai. Started with kickboxing. I don't, yeah, I don't remember if it was specifically Muay Thai when I started. Uh, Alexander Gustafsson, who was about to fight for the title, boxing. He was like a Swedish national boxing champion, yep. you know, and now he started working years after – years later after Phil Davis beat him, he started working with Phil Davis, who's a, another high-level MMA fighter who's – Bases wrestling, wrestled at Penn State. I think it's something that the MMA really has. I think it's probably the most positive effect that it's had on the martial arts world. It's exposed. It's exposed this kind of deficiency that all. It's it's across all martial arts. Everybody has a tendency to over specialize to keep on specializing because you have kickers trying to out kick other kickers. You have you know grapplers trying to out grapple yeah. other grapplers. All this. So it's kind of a natural progression, I'd say, that most martial arts take is they become more and more and more specialized to the point that it kind of, in some cases, can turn into something that is so far removed from combat that a lot of people would argue whether or not it should really be called a martial art anymore. But I think that's something that's really positive, the posi- a positive effect that the MMA, that MMA has had on the martial arts world is exposed the, the need that you have for well-roundedness. That it's like everybody... And has something more I say most you know people have something that they specialize in some particular skill set that they've invested more time in 
but you should be practicing kind of everything so your system is more holistic where you know there's nothing that you just don't do uh yeah i'm in i'm in complete agreement and uh i think that one of the interesting things with us you know starting this podcast is i think that like there's so much bizarre like division between the martial arts that it's almost like it's it's like people are like my martial art is the best you should not go and learn something else right (laughs) which is it's foolish but like even again i feel like we're at a weird crossroads because mma is so popular now uh, and mma schools are becoming more and more of a thing but again if you look at the high level guys none of those guys started an mma school they all started with a specific martial art and mastered that can you master two martial arts at the same time possibly you know if you start young enough and you that's really your focus you know i think it's possible but i think you really kind of have to focus on one make that what you're really going to specialize in to have success at the highest levels but again it's important to remember that we're talking about a sport mma is a sport there are things that are done in a real life self-defense fight situation that are illegal in the sport of MMA, right? You can't eye gouge somebody. You can't headbutt them. You can't hit them in the back of the head. I think probably the biggest one is you're talking about rounds and, you know, time limits and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's just, yeah. You rounds. can't sucker punch somebody, even though that has happened a couple times in MMA matches. But, <laughs> yeah. you, like, you can't sucker punch somebody. You can't have More two than... friends where you that are going to come and jump somebody from behind while you're distracting them with words. Yeah, um, yeah so, I mean, and also your hands aren't taped right so for those of you that are strikers that are listening you guys would know better than this me and dan probably would know better than me uh but i have been told by many a person that taping your hands takes away the joint so you can throw with more power because you don't have to risk worry about the break to the thumb and the wrist as much as when your hands aren't taped and it makes you be able to throw these crazy haymaker punches that you wouldn't be able to if your hand wasn't taped it's like watching the difference between bare knuckle boxing regular boxing yeah which is becoming popular too (laughs) it it is different the way people throw punches when they're not when their hands when they're not wearing gloves and the tape absolutely i mean karate background the karate background that i come from of course i've done almost all of my striking i've done without my hands taped or anything like that you know and it's just um it's something that is that needs to be taken into consideration is that people break their hands when they punch people in the head (laughs) and you know and it's something that you know if you're not prepared for that then you're going to be yeah you're going to be you're going to find yourself probably if you break your hand in the middle of the fight it's probably over for you yeah i mean you see that in mma matches all the time guys break their hands actually brian ortega i think broke his thumb in the first round and affected in that match he just had with max holloway and yeah was affecting his grappling, how he was throwing, but, but I mean, Brian Ortega's super, super tough guy. Oh yeah. Um, you know, he just, and lots of guys are like that. Um, so I think Anthony Pettis, when he recently took on Tony Ferguson, he broke his hand, I think in the second round, finished the round. And then his coach eventually stepped in, you know, to kind of protect him from himself and called off the fight. But yeah, even with the hand wraps and the, the, the gloves, people break their hands all the time. And that's, you know, huge in a fight. And I feel like, we're definitely going to, you know, go into the self-defense stuff in, in, you know, future sort of podcasts and stuff like that. But there is, again, a lot of benefits to specialization and talking about the MMA world or even if you're, like, just specialize in wrestling or 
karate or taekwondo, you need specialization to get to the highest levels of those individual sports. Like, if you look at a high-level grappler, like, let's use, I don't know, some guys might know who these people are, like the Meow brothers were Keenan Cornelius. People know Keenan Cornelius is going to try and use the worm guard. Can they stop it? No. Josh Hinger, who I'm, is probably in one of my favorite personalities in jiu-jitsu and a guy I absolutely love. I love everything about his game. Everybody knows he's going for that chin strap and he's going for the guillotine choke. I mean, it's nicknamed the Hinger Teen for a reason. People call it the Hinger Teen. They know that he wants the chin strap. He wants guillotines. He wants north-south chokes. He's going to go for go-go platas with or without the lapel. Can you stop it? No, most people can't stop it. Right, because he's mastered and specialized in those move sets so well. He's got like a great duck under because he was a high school wrestler. So like it's like they specialize it in so, those moves so much that it's like everybody knows what's coming, but can you stop it? And that's what you start to see is like that's what these guys are doing, and that's how they're so successful in a sportive setting is they've mastered something so much that it's like how do you stop it? Even if you know it's coming, you cannot stop it because they've just drilled it and drilled it and drilled it and drilled it. And it's, I think you and I have had this conversation before, the live by the sword, die by the sword mentality. Do you want to go out there and be like, oh, well, this is my A game. This is the stuff that I use in practice and sparring and in all these matches that are less important matches. I want to live by my sword and that's my sword and I want to die by my sword. So if it doesn't work, I want to fail using my best stuff i'm not gonna all of a sudden be like oh well i'm gonna try all these other things no whatever your best game is you want to funnel somebody into your best game and then take it from there you know and i i again you can speak to that more with the striking but like Mm -hmm. you know with with grappling i feel like that's so true like if if i'm like man i've got a great x guard and x guard sweeps and i want to use the x guard to get to the side mount and my side mount game is all about catching a switch side arm bar or a kimura I want to funnel everybody to that game, and that's what I'm going to specialize in if I want to have success from a sportive setting. Is just master it so much that it's unstoppable. Yeah, it reminds me of actually a Bruce Lee quote. It might sound a little bit cheesy, but it illustrates the point really well. Right? He said something to the effect of, "You know, I don't fear the man who's practiced a thousand different yeah. kicks, but he's practiced the same kick a thousand times." You know, it's kind of like let's say you just. If you have a guy who's got like a like a really powerful right cross and just got like like you know reliable knockout power with that punch, is he going to be more dangerous than like your typical you know like Korean kicking stylist that you know is good yeah. maybe at the point competition? Like I'd say, yeah, he might be. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. the kind of thing. He might only do one thing really well, but he does it well enough. So there definitely is utility to that kind of specialization, but. It can go. It can go too far. You know, I guess the point. Martial arts can they can turn into you know. So they can go to some kind of weird places when an emphasis on on real combat is lost and hyper specialization kind of becomes a driving force into where the martial art is going. But you know, and it's 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 definitely it's it's worth taking into account that it's it's fun though. You know, and like let's be honest, that I think that personal interest is as big a reason that people train than for self defense, especially depending upon, you know, where where you live, what your environment is like. But you know, I I've always enjoyed doing martial arts. Most people I've trained with, it's something that we enjoy doing. So it's not not necessarily a bad thing that specialization comes about because people enjoy doing it you know kind of it can add it can add a lot to 
to to to your practice to how much you enjoy your practice and what you do well that's important and something again like you know uh, I think we're going to address at some point is why do people train? Not everybody trains to be an MMA fighter or few people. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. or even for self-defense, you know, there's some people that are just training because it's fun and it's their way of staying in shape. Um, and j- just to kind of, I think wrap up sort of the conversations a little bit on specialization, there is a f- well-known wrestler named John Smith. The, the, the grapplers who are listening are probably aware of, he has a single leg takedown pretty much named after him. He would tell people which leg he was going to single leg and they couldn't stop it. You know, And we're talking about the best guys in the world. They knew what, what exactly was going to do and you can't stop it. You can't stop it. If you get something that at that high of a level, it's unstoppable, you know, but it takes a large amount of factors, right? You know, there's athletic, athletic ability being factored in that and then your work ethic, you know, and your drive and you know, sometimes it's even lucky breaks with who, who you take on. You might have a guy who's injured currently or, you know, maybe he's going through some emotional thing or God knows what, you know. So it's like all these things are factors. Maybe you've got a slight cold and you decide to show up and do the competition anyway. But, you know, like the specialization thing, it, it, it's it's definitely – you, you can't help. If you're going to do the martial arts long enough, it doesn't matter – what you decide to, to do with it, you're going to end up specializing to a certain extent. It just happens. Like somebody's going to be like, man, that guy, even though he's really good all, all around, he's got a nasty ax kick. Yeah. And that's what he catches everybody with. Andy and, Hug. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think maybe that's just a good way to wrap it up is that it's, it's just, it, it's something that you should think about in your training. You know, be like, be aware of, specialization and the way that what you're specializing in your training and you know how you approach your training from from that perspective that you have a special skill that you might like or might be a part of your martial art but at least that's the perspective I take from it is that hyper specialization is something you want to be a little bit careful about all right everybody yeah uh, so this is the first of uh, hopefully many podcasts that we're going to do um We'll have an Instagram page, the Motion Martial Arts Podcast, that hopefully you guys can add us on. And, and there's already a Facebook page. It's been around for about a year, Motion Martial Arts. So it's kind of where this whole thing started. But thanks for listening. I guess until next time. Yeah. Well, all right.